Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Career Move Secrets. Today's guest is Nigel Ash. Nigel has over 35 years experience in transport consulting uh, with over 20 years of that either as a managing director or a CEO. Today, Nigel is the managing director of Network Rail Consulting, managing operations in Australia, in Europe, the Middle East and indeed in North America. Hi, Nigel. How are you? Hi, morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. We obviously go way back, you and I, Nigel, and I've known each other a very long time. Um, but uh, of course, my my audience won't know your background. Uh, could you give us the sort of the potted history, if you would? Yeah, sure. Um, so I started at the beginning. Um, I did a, a first degree in economics, and then I went on and did a master's in transportation planning. Um, started my career as a graduate with a company called Sir Alexander Gibbon Partners. Um, and I rose um, over the period from being a graduate to a board director and the managing, managing director for the transport consultancy practice. And then it was acquired by um, Jacobs Engineering Group in 2001. And I then went on to be global managing director for their transport practice within their management consultancy group as well. Um, so that's my kind of brief overview. I think in terms of my Career started off obviously very much on the technical side of things, um, involved in major projects such as Channel Tunnel Rail Link, Port and International Terminal on the rail side, and did a lot of that. Um, you know, spent the first five to seven years doing that. And then I branched out and did international projects, firstly in the Middle East, then in Southern Africa, and then um, also in Latin America, mainly on um, toll roads and railway projects. So I've got a good um, blend of kind of in, international kind of transport experience, and then a couple of airports are involved in um, airports uh, studies, um, a bit, bit of Heathrow on transport access, and then um, Hamburg Airport privatisation, and um, and then with some colleagues um, uh, as project director for the um, Rome Airport privatisation. So, but Mark, I guess my my strength on technical side of things is very much on the um, the demand, revenue, forecasting, financial and economic appraisal of transport projects. So why are we doing projects as opposed to how we're doing them in terms of the construction feasibility? That's my personal experience. Um, and then in um, when I was at the tail end of my uh, career with um, Saigon and Given Partners, I was sponsored onto an MBA at the Henley Business School. 
and kind of that kind of then took me from being a more technical consultant to more wide opened up my kind of experience on the management front and on 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 um, running businesses whether it's financial you know from a financial point of view or from the human resources point of view um, and strategy um, so that was very much whetted my appetite to um, wanting to do something broader and, and you know and, and kind of and not and kind of and be able to influence what was going on. Um, so then when I was approached um, uh, through a head enter, uh, wasn't myself in this case, um, but um, uh, to uh, to uh, be the chief executive of what is now Sister UK, um, I, I took that on um, in um, 2004. Did five and a half years there, and then um, and then this opportunity came up with um, Network Rail to set up and uh, develop a. An international consultancy arm, and and that was really quite intriguing because it was a, a clean sheet of paper, so strategic business plan, then put in place all the operating procedures, uh, set up the legal entities overseas, um, put in place all the policies and procedures and governance around setting up a new company uh, that's working across. You know, we've got operations now in Canada, the United States, Saudi Arabia, and Australia, as well as having a UK headquarters. So. Um, that's kind of my a kind of brief overview of my career today. It's really interesting. I, I obviously, you know, knew a lot of the background. You did, uh, you know, your first twenty years. You go from graduate to managing director within within the same business, which is that sort of, you know, classic, uh, well, sort of, you know, high flyer type route. Um, and then you've obviously made moves outside of the business. So, would I be right in thinking you've only applied for a job once then in your entire career? Um, yeah, well, I, I think when I when I moved out of um, out of sister was a couple of yeah, I applied for the network rail job, and I applied for a couple of the, you know a few other jobs at the same time. So yes, yeah, so I think one of the things that I found when I was um, looking for jobs, I was pretty inexperienced of being being on the other side of the interview table. I bet. Yeah. So it took me a couple of goes to get that to get that into perspective. So you normally the one doing the interviewing. Not the person being on the interview, um, uh, being being interviewee. So yeah, so it's um, it was a little bit of a different experience, <laughs> and yeah, I haven't done it very often. So I'm I'm pretty inexperienced as being an applicant to jobs. I say that's fair. You know what? That, and I would imagine, well, I find because I speak to a lot of senior people. Most of the senior people I speak to are very inexperienced at being on the other side of the fence. Like you, they're very experienced at hiring people. They know what they're looking for. They know what impresses them. They know, you know, you know what a, a good interview looks like. But they're not experienced at, at being on the other side of the fence and being asked. And it is a completely different experience, as is actually looking for a job rather than being headhunted. You know, when you get headhunted, as you know, you know, there's this process that's driven by somebody like me, a headhunter that, that takes you through, holds your hand and, and sort of lands you with a lot of information in a, in a, in a process. When you apply to something or, or you're just generally looking, you don't get that hand-holding experience. You, you have to do a lot of it yourself. And it can be, you know, it can be quite a daunting, uh, daunting experience, particularly if you haven't been in the job market for many a year. No, that's true. That's true. And you've got, you've got to get used to understanding, you know, what people are looking for. What are the what are the key things that you know um, that people are interviewing uh, are kind of going, going for? I think one of the things that I found with my career is, particularly with my experience at um, Gibb and Jacobs and then um, Sister UK, um, is that I've got a very broad perspective on running a business, particularly having done the MBA. 
Whereas a lot of people in senior positions in the major companies tend to be a bit more siloed. They've you know, got a very in-depth knowledge of a particular area, but they don't necessarily have a great um, breadth in terms of understanding. You know, In my current role, for example, I've got to have a grasp of the employment legislation in you know, America, Canada, the US, USA, Australia, and that, they're quite different to the UK in many respects. And there's some commonalities, obviously. And so you get the same thing with the financing, um, the way projects are procured, the pricing structure of bids are different. In the US bid structure and, and sales rates are completely different structure to say Australia or how we work in the UK. So you, you kind of get that broader experience by having to move across so many different geographies. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, from one country to another. I find as a head, I, I like you. I try and work internationally, and there is there's a lot you need to learn about different territories. Um, and you know, actually, I speak to a lot of senior candidates who want to make moves internationally, and I don't think they always realise all of the restrictions. You know, right now, for instance, in the UK, it's much harder to move here and get a job than it ever was in the states yeah. as you know it's it's very difficult even to get very senior professionals in and out for long periods of time uh australia is another a kettle of fish you know saudi's very visa orientated there's lots of lots of things going on which you need to take into account just thinking about your your sort of hiring experience which you know you and i have, have done a lot of hiring together which is which is uh you know how we sort of built our relationship well I wonder what do you look for when you're when you're hiring your senior team because I'm guessing, you know, as as I used to put people in front of you, hopefully most of those people could do the job. You're you're then presented with people who genuinely you've got to decide between them and they're relatively similar in capability. What makes the difference for you between hiring one person or another? And so I think you're right. So technically, a lot of the people, um, you know, if it was a technical role, it would be pretty consistent um, in terms of, of their ability to deliver. There'll be some variation. But it's really then for a technical type post, it would be about fit, about culture, behaviours. Um, are they going to fit into the team um, with the other team? So are they complementary or competing? So that, will they fit in? So it's not whether the person is good or bad. It's just whether that's the right fit for that person at the right time within the team you've already got. Um, I think if you look at in a broader business position, which would be somebody leading a P&L responsibility within the organisation, I'd be looking to see whether they've got you know, commercial flair and instinct that I'd be looking for in those roles, particularly in the business development area, um, making sure they've got a good appreciation of the processes and systems you go through um, to build a relationship with the client, pre-position, and then bidding um, major contracts and understanding um, how to put in the bid and write a good good tender. That's a bit more difficult to assess at interview stage. I think one of the things I've learned over the last 20 years is the um, the value of um, psychometric testing. Mm. So, so now we 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 do we, you know we started started that probably about 15 20 years ago on most of these senior hires using different tool sets. Um, obviously, originally people used Myers Briggs and things like that. I found you know without doubt the best one that I use at the moment is the Insights profile. Which has got the wheel with the, with the, and we find we're finding that pretty accurate. I mean, I've done mine obviously and shown it to my family, and they've all laughed and said that's you for teeth, you know. So, um, you know, so yeah, that's a good test of whether you think you know these these things add value. But I have found that um, pretty much when you know you do those insights profiles and you look at back after the person joined, maybe twelve months. And you say, yeah, that profile really fits that person really well. And um, so we use that for all our senior appointments now. So everybody 
um, you know, who's, um, you know, with two, the two senior fans within the company, everybody gets an insights profile as part of the selection process. So, so the, the company that provides that service to us, they also suggest some questions around teasing out some of the, um, the positions on the questions. That's really helpful. So normally, you know, we do that and we also give them the client the feedback on that. So we get the company, give them the feedback so they get something out of that process as well. So I found that really valuable in the process. It's all about fitting the team. As long as they've got the commercial acumen and the skill sets to do the job, it's really about are they going to fit in really into, with the rest of the team and and, and complement skill set. Well, that's interesting. I do something very very similar, and and uh, I have a, a tool that's that's I, I'd imagine very similar to that one. As they're all based on on you know a sort of set of psychometric behaviours, um, and I do a similar thing where I I, I look at benchmarking. The existing team and then we try and uh put everybody through a, a process and we feed that back to them because it's it is i i find it really revealing it's interesting because not everybody uses it um but but you know when you're looking for certain behaviors um i guess past behavior and past experience is something that you see in the cv and you say well this person has done this before but it's it's very hard to test isn't it in an interview scenario you know you particularly let's say commercial exposure you can ask them a number of questions and they can give you great answers it's not necessarily indicative of how they will think and operate whereas a, a psychometric test gives you an understanding of the personality what their you know what their drive is and what their what their uh, likes and dislikes are um, and really helps you fit them into the team so that's interesting that that you do that um and that you 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 put great sway in it because I've got to say I I do too I tend to find I've done a test, and it does it feedbacks pretty much who you are, who you are quite quite accurately actually. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I found them extremely useful, and I think the the thing is with them, we all know this interviews interviewing is an imprecise science, mm. so you've got to get as much information to cross reference the person. One of the things that I don't tend to do, unless it's a, 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 I try to avoid getting other people's opinion on the candidate before they come into the room. Yeah, um, you know, because it might be there might be a temptation for you to, you know, somebody in the industry they work for them or they've worked with them, and you, you kind of, I think that skews your thinking when you get to the interview process. Mm. Um, one thing is giving a reference after that you've made the decision, but the decision needs to be yours. Somebody could have been in a prior role that didn't quite fit for them. And therefore, you might be getting a second opinion on that person, but it was in a completely different context. Mm. And you put them in a new context that might be, you know, um, perform better uh, with the, with with better or different management uh, and supervision. And, and you know, so I think it is. Um, I always try to avoid that. You know, um, unless I get to the point I'm, I'm going to appoint them, and then I'll use it as a second kind of reference point. But it wouldn't be my primary point of contact. Again, I and think I certainly that... wouldn't appoint somebody. I certainly wouldn't appoint somebody on somebody else's. Well, yeah, I, I think that's the right way to go. Make your own judgment first, and then cross-reference that. You know, but don't be, don't get preloaded by somebody else's viewpoint. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the right way to go. What do you think about when people come to 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 interview with you? What do you expect them to know about the business? How, how much research, you know, and uh, do you expect them to do? And and you know, how different is your view if somebody knows more rather than somebody who knows less? Yeah, I think I think whether when somebody particularly at senior level, I'd expect them um, to have a good understanding of the, uh, of the company. So I would certainly to look at our website, look at um, marketing, view, understand the business. If it was me, I would also look at the company accounts, the mm. company's house, just to get a feel for the 
financials the business have been doing, um, to be able to engage with the um, the interviewer about you know where the, the direction of the business is going and what the strategy is. So I think the worst thing you can do is come to an interview and not know anything about the company because that really doesn't really doesn't um, send the right messages either of interest or in the company or you know preparation for the interview process. So yeah, yeah I definitely think um, I would expect people to know. Um, at least you've gone through the, the website as much as possible. And, and I always think it, they need to understand what's their why. Why would they join you and why would you hire them? And, and I find that's much harder for people to, to articulate. You know, uh, if you're a market leader, yeah, I can understand why I want to join your business. Um, why hire me? That's, that's, a bit more, that's a bit more difficult. You've got to really be able to, to sell yourself a little bit more. And of course, you know, um, we're involved in, in relatively technical areas. It's not always uh, the best feature of people to be able to sell themselves. Um, you know, that, that, that's a harder thing. What, what do you find when you're interviewing people? Um, you know, what, what do you find annoying versus what do you find um, something that, that really works and resonates with you? That's a difficult one, really. I can't say, I mean, there's only been one occasion I've been mildly annoyed and I've actually the person I was interviewing with was um, who's more usually kind of fairly relaxed person got annoyed about. We did have one interview where we interviewed somebody who was some as bizarrely a manager consultancy as it was, and um, and we asked him a question, and the question we said, can you summarise your career in kind of ten five minutes, you know? And we we got to forty five minutes, um, and um, you know it's clearly so. The only thing that kind of annoys me is if people don't are not. Um, are either much too long in the response, and we had to intervene. In that case, we had to we had to intervene. We we thought, well, the person will naturally stop at some point, but <laughs> just kept going. And it was a bit of a car crash. It was probably the worst interview, you know, as an interviewer, uh, as opposed to the interview that I've done. But that was that was that was uh, quite something. So you know, keeping your answers um, short and succinct and to the point, and not well, and not drifting off the kind of the message of what, what it is. So you've got to think about. What's the question, and what is the interviewer trying to get out of you by asking that question? And, and um, so, the, the, just being too long in the response is probably um, the one thing that I'd say is, is mildly annoying. Um, the forty-five minute one is definitely the worst. I've I've had it loads of times. I use the same sort of question to start interviews because it's a nice soft opening. I've said this many times. You ask people to give them give you your their career narrative, and if they can't do that in a concise and compelling way, alarm bells start going off in my head straight away because. Yeah, it, 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 it shows a lack of understanding, a lack of preparation, because I, I think your, your career story is something that you should be able to tell. You know, you should practice it, frankly, and, and get it right. Um, and then, you know, you can even be more concise and come up with, with a sort of more of a, a personal value proposition, which is the sort of things that people have at the, the top of their CV. These are things that you should be able to say, you know, quite, quite, you know, quickly. And uh, as I say, in a, in a, in a way that's compelling. I find when people haven't been interviewed very recently, they're not very good at that. It's something that's learned. It's something you should practice. It really, really is. And you get better with, uh, with over time. So yeah, I use something similar and uh, if they go on forever, well, that's uh, that's a, that's definitely a black mark. What, what are the good things? What are, you know, cause it's, it's that fine line between being overconfident and, 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 you know, underwhelming. You've got to you've got to be able to demonstrate your capability, but you've not got to be, yeah, you've not got to 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 be sort of um, completely 
uh, 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 without faults. You know, that that never seems very authentic to me. Yeah, no, I think um, I think I think what I you know people that that kind of direct and answer the question very quickly, particularly when you're asking them, you know, if you're seeing a level and you're talking about um, finances and understanding, you know, what, you know what's you know what kind of profitability you're looking for, and they understand the question and they're very and they get the answer pretty quickly and they've got enthusiasm and they've got personality. That's and certainly the leadership positions. That's really important that they, you know they are enthusiastic. And they are they are engaged. I think so. It's not just the answer; it's just basically the persona of the person as mm. you the interview um, is also an important thing that we look for. And we, you know, I always do interview panel interviews. I will have it. And will so my kind of approach on senior leadership positions is basically we do we do a, um, we do a, a search exercise. I try to meet the people informally, the, you know, the shortlisted people informally for dinner or something like that, mm. um, and so they get a feel for it. Um, either before or after the formal kind of panel interview to make sure, usually, you know, um, or do both, um, so that um, that I've got to, to see the person outside a, a panel interview forum. Because mm. I think some people do get a little bit nervous, no matter how experienced you are. You know, when you go to the interview with three or four people firing questions at you from left, right, centre, you could you could be, you know, people could be um, not putting forward their best best uh, presentation and what they, who they are really. Um, mm. So. Get them in an informal environment as well, just to kind of you know, cross-reference that. And do you get them to do work with them? You know, when you can work with them, you know, if they're a direct report, whether you know that report, whether you feel that you can be working with them on a day-to-day basis, because it's very rare you're in an interview process unless you're bidding for a job, you know, for for a consultancy contract, that you've been in an interview process under that entirely intense pressure. It's more, you know, day-to-day working is more informal with your with your staff isn't it so um you know it's that day-to-day environment you need to kind of um see how they perform so and do you get them to do a presentation is that something that, that you yeah so not yep. so senior staff would always get them to do a presentation it would be uh, just a quick synopsis of the career what their interpretation of the role you know what that, what, what their first 90 days look like in yes. terms of coming to the, the you know so so three parts career um you know appreciation of the role how their career kind of lines up with the role and then, uh, you know, w- w- what they do in the first three months they, were, they would arrive, what things would they look to address um, at the ground running so forth. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always advocate you need a, a 90 day plan when you, when you go to your second interview or your final interview, you need to be able to have that in your back pocket to present it, to, to outline how you go, how you're going to hit the ground running. And it's, it's incredible how, yeah too often people don't have that or they haven't thought about it and i always think that's that's a real missed opportunity because you've got an opportunity to project yourself into the role if you can if you can argue this is what i'm going to do you know in the week one week two week three week four particularly senior people what you're hiring is a capability you want them to have a you want a man with a plan or a woman with a plan you certainly don't want to have to manage micromanage their every uh their every interaction and of course that crucial period of onboarding you know, onboarding, you know, every company does it differently. You, you know, some some places you get shown where your laptop is. In others, there's a there's an incredible training program. But ultimately, the more senior you are, the more you have to take charge of that onboarding process yourself and drive it because, you know, other people do not have the time to walk you through every process in the business, every uh, person that you need to meet, you need to be proactive and have a plan to do that. Yeah, I, I think that's that's crucial. Well, look, 
Nigel, I really enjoyed uh, our chat together and, and seeing you again. It's been a little while. I won't, I'm conscious of uh, how busy you are, so I won't take too much of your time, but I really appreciate you coming on the show. Okay, no problem. Thank you. Nice catching up again. Uh, brilliant. Cheers, Nigel. All the best. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nigel Ash, um, particularly gaining an insight into the senior recruitment process. And I guess you should ask the question, are you prepared for that senior recruitment process? Do you understand that you're going to be answering questions around your career narrative? Have you got that organised? Have you got a good personal value proposition that you can put forward in a succinct and compelling way? Have you... Are you prepared and do you understand what a psychometric test is and how that will work and, and what you need to think about in in terms of answering one of those? Uh, do you understand competency questions? Have you got a 90-day plan? Can you do a decent presentation? If these are questions you're asking and thinking, I don't know the answer, then you may want to buy my uh, full premium course, uh, which is available on my website, careermovesecrets.com. And if you do take that course and you... Uh, and you uh, pick up the lessons from it, you will be more than prepared for that type of senior recruitment process. Um, so please do pick that up. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, please do subscribe and uh, perhaps even uh, rate them because uh, that would be really, really helpful. And of course, there will be more Career Move Secrets podcasts coming very soon. 